This is episode five of the JP Tocker show titled The Road to Success with Alex Fuller. Now, Alex is the former head boy of St. Pat's Town in Wellington. He was the first Pacific Island Road Scholar and he's helped many Kiwi iconic startups such as Orion Health, Trade Me, Les Mills International all grow into huge international companies. Right now, Alex is the CEO of Vend, one of the hottest tech startups on the planet. I really hope you enjoy my chat with Alex Fuller. Welcome to the JP Talker Show. All right, it's a, um, a huge thank you to uh, the Honourable Alex Fuller for uh, joining me here today on the JP Talker Show. Alex, welcome along, mate. Cheers, JP. I'm not sure about the Honourable, but I'll take it. Well, uh, you've got many titles, uh, which we'll, um, we'll sort of walk through. But um, hey, Alex, can you give us a, an elevator pitch on, on where you grew up and, um, and how you've come to be, I, I suppose? Is that to put you on the spot a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about the elevator pitch. I'm getting old now, mate. But, um, <laughs> but the, the short version is, uh, look, I come from an uh, immigrant family. So a rebel from Savaii and Samoa is my father and my mother uh, is um, born of Swiss and Polish immigrants right. um, and grew up in the Wairarapa and Wellington, um, proud old boy of St. Pat's Town. Um, and, uh, you know, did all the, did all the things that, um, that most Kiwi kids do, played a lot of rugby. Um, bit of basketball, um, you know, run around in the mud, um, did poly club while I was at St. Pat's, so Polynesian Performing Arts Group. Nice. Um, and then I moved up to Auckland and then started getting much more serious about my business career. So um, so did uh, I studied at Auckland University, um, had a couple of years at Oxford, which was amazing. And then since then, have really been building up, um, I guess, experience dealing, uh, working with iconic Kiwi growth companies. Um, so that started with um, the work that I did as a consultant with McKinsey, yep. uh, then went to Trade Me, uh, Orion, Orion Health, then Les Mills International, and now I'm the CEO at Vend. So you just rattled off um, some pretty pr- impressive uh, CVs, so to speak. If we, if we wind right back, and um, so I'm, quite, I'm quite keen, the people that I talk to, um, the idea is that they can provide a little bit of help to people listening out there, what they do, how they became successful. And, and some people, you know, you, you kind of fall into success or they didn't mean to be successful in the position they end up. But they generally have um, good ethics. You know, they work hard. Um, they had a vision or they may or like they may even had goals. When you were younger, did, did you set goals and did you want to be a CEO or a, or a management consultant? Was that something that you set out to be? Yeah, I mean, I don't think any kid wakes up at you know when they're five and says that they want to be a CEO. Um, but certainly, goal setting was a big part of of, of my um, upbringing. I mean, you know, it sounds really really corny, but when I think about the opportunities I've had, I, I do take it right back to the things that mum and dad taught us. Yep. Um, so a lot of that was just about values, um, looking after other people ahead of yourself, um, all of those sort of fundamentally good things about just being a good person. Uh, but it was also, I guess we we were lucky to be instilled with some really strong kind of motivational messages for us, yes. uh, you know, from our parents. So mum and dad always said to us, you know, aim really, really high and don't worry, we'll be there to catch you when you, you know, if you fall. Awesome. Um, so there was never a sense of, um, you know, hold back just in case you don't make it. We, we were just told to go for just it. Just go for it. 
Yeah, and and I mean the the the, the thing which I often talk about, which people are, are kind of find a bit strange, is you know we went on family holidays, and most people you know they're driving along through you know, through the New Zealand countryside as you do, and there's music playing, or you're yeah. sort of telling jokes or whatever in the back of the car. And in our family, we had motivational tapes playing. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> what, what were the tapes? So, oh, I'm trying to remember. There's one guy I, I remember called um, called Peter Daniels. Okay. Uh, so my dad was a salesman, you know. Right. So he was. I remember when when we were living we were living in Masterton, um, pretty small town, and I remember he was working for for NZI New Zealand Insurance. And at one stage, okay. he was top ten in the country wow. um, in terms of their salespeople, and you know everyone else was you know, from Epsom or Fendleton or all of those kind of well-known wealthy suburbs. Yep. But, you know, there was this there was this Samoan guy who was living in Masterton who was managing to, you know, to, to foot it with all of them. What age did your dad move to, uh, to New Zealand from Samoa? He was about 16 or 18. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So pretty much straight after, after school. I mean, he's done... You've got an amazing family. All your brothers and sisters are extremely smart people. If you didn't know, I know Alex and uh, I know a few of his, his sisters. And um, yeah, I mean, he's a pretty amazing man, really. And, and like you talk about the values, and, and I, I, I believe that family values, but especially in the Pacific Island culture and Māori as, as well, um, that family is, is really important. Family and friends come first. And, and you often do put other people ahead of yourselves and it's something you know I'm, I admire hugely, and um, I've always been jealous of all the cousins and family that the, the Pacific Island, my Pacific Island friends have, because you know I only had a few cousins, one or two in Wellington, and um, you had such a great support network growing up as well, which is, is just awesome, just awesome. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, it's funny, JP, because that sort of you know that family support network network was always really important to us and we did have you know lots of cousins and enjoyed playing with those guys but in some ways my dad was a bit of a rebel as well yeah. you know as I, as I said so he you know family was always really important but it was never going you know he was very strong with us and and you know in the way that he lived his own life that um, you know, family obligations were never going to stop any of us from achieving our goals. So, you know, when my dad was, you know, when he came to New Zealand, of course he sent money back to to his to his, his family in Samoa. Right. Uh, but he was also very very clear that his priority was doing what was needed for you know for us, my, myself and my sisters. Um, so so we were really lucky. And, and so, sort of moving forward a little bit, um, you attended St Pat's Town from would it be. Was your last year 1996? Yep, yep. Which... so I was in 90, 92 to 96. 92 to 96. And um, you also head boy that year? Mm-hmm. Did you, uh, you yep. beat out any top competition to become boy? Oh, yeah, of course. Every, everybody was everybody <laughs> was great in <Yeah>. my class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, that's a tough question, JP, because if I say no, all of my mates <laughs> will be hopelessly offended. Yeah, and if I say yes, yeah. I'll have to mention names, and yeah. then everyone I don't yeah. mention will be offended. <laughs> was there a reason why you, your parents chose St. Pat's? Uh, they didn't choose it. I chose it. Well, what did you? <laughs> so, well, okay, what did you choose it? What, what sort of stuck out to you? I mean, there's, you would have had the pick of schools. You're highly intelligent. You're Samoan. You're, you're a sportsman as well. Um, but you chose to go to St. Pat's. Yeah, I just love the I love the feel of it. Um, yep. So I wanted to go to a school which was all about individuals and culture and just 
building great spirit and and the moment I visited St Pat's that was that was really obvious and and you know I, I didn't want to go to one of the schools that felt more like a factory right uh, and also actually my my uh, my uncles my mum's brothers went to St Pat's and um, and one of my uncles Andy who um, you know who I've always, I've always been really close to him and he spoke highly of it so those were the things that really influenced me but look it was it was ultimately my decision which now, now thinking about having, you know, letting thirteen-year-old boys make decisions is a pretty scary yeah, thing. But uh, my parents really trusted me. And when you got to St. Pat's, you obviously made a pretty big impact. You know, so I was uh, a third former, lucky enough to be third form when you were um, head boy in seventh form. You were playing the first fifteen. Um, mm-hmm. were, you, were you ducks that year as well, or close to? No. No, I did all right, but I wasn't ducks. But you, you, uh, I thought you, but from what I remember, you weren't far off and being head boy. So you're, you're sort of, you're killing it on all fronts. But did, did St. Pat's Town did it? Do you think it, it changed you or it motivated you or in, in some ways sort of enlightened you and helped you find a path that you, you've been successful in? Yeah, it was massive for me. Um, it was, I think. You know, we talk about it, and it, it sounds kind of corny, and lots of folks talk about it, but you know. The, the the guys who I went to school with are like my brothers. Yeah, um, they really are. And you know, we'd moved around. Um, by the time I went to school, mum and dad had separated, and right. so having that stability at um, at St Pat's was was just super important to me. Um, and you know, even from a cultural perspective as well, I mentioned you know one side of my family, Samoan. Um, you know, grew up with that being a big part of me, but I didn't really know a lot about it. Yeah. And so I became part of that community at St. Pat's and that, and that was massive. So, yeah, it was really just that, that giving me that base of, of a whole lot of people who I trusted and, and in many ways loved, um, as well as just helping me work through my own identity. And, and, and I guess building up leadership capabilities was something that St. Pat's was really good at as well. Uh, yeah, it's funny eh? because lots of the people, obviously, in my network of friends are obviously from St. Pat's who went together. But we, there are a lot of young leaders coming out of, of not just St. Pat's Town, but some other great schools in, in Wellington, New Zealand. But there definitely is more of a focus in the schools about um, letting someone grow up and make their own decisions and try and help them find their own way rather than a, a predetermined path of, you know, you study, you do your maths, you go to university, you get your degree and move on. That It just seems, I think, that the schools are now starting to pick up and allow people to grow a little bit more and have a bit more freedom rather than this, this huge structure that we're so used to. Um, yeah, yeah, look, I, I agree. And I, I think that's um, it's actually probably what St. Pat's was best at. Uh, and certainly it really suited someone like me. Um, you know, it suited, it sort of rounded out my experiences. And I get, and I was always sufficiently driven that I could do well at my schoolwork and stuff alongside having all of that more well-rounded education. I think there are definitely, the risk with that kind of education is that you let people slip through the gaps, particularly on yeah. the academics. Yeah. Um, so that's something which St. Pat's has had to continually keep an eye on. And I think they've done a great job. Um, but, you know, that's a heck of a lot better than, than as I said, building up, uh, you know, building a factory that just churns out a whole lot of kids who are exactly the same and aren't really becoming the best that they can be. Do you have any regrets, St. Pat's? I think you won Grand Slam in 96. All, all traditionals. Yeah, yeah, we 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 try not to show off about that too much, JP. Since, you know, I know I know many of you guys have tried and, uh, and did. I never got close, so. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, no regrets. Look, there are there is 
I had an amazing time. You know, I was lucky enough. You know, we were lucky enough to win McEvity in my first year, and then we won the Grand Slam in, yeah. in my last year um, with the first fifteen. Uh, look, there's you know, there's obviously lots of stuff I could have done better. You mentioned ducks. I go, ah, if I tried hard enough, could I have got there? Maybe. Um, but ultimately, St. Pat's gave me a, a great foundation. Yeah. Um, I actually, met, I and even even gave me my wife. So I met my <laughs> wife my last year at St. Pat's. So, Excellent. Um, so look, I I can't complain at all. The school that provides all. <laughs> hey, I'll, I'll, I'll push this along a little bit. So. Um, as you mentioned, you um, you, so you went to Auckland. You chose to go to Auckland University to study finance. Um, yep. And, and at that stage of the game, I think I've, I've heard you talk about it before that you know you, you've been influenced by uh, the move of Wall Street with Michael Douglas and and, yeah. and and what goes on. And and you know, like there was a big surge of intake of stockbrokers after that movie came out. I've read that. I've read that elsewhere. But um, but when you when you come out of Auckland University, you got picked up by McKinsey, who are like the top management consulting firm in the world. Yeah, and and there can't have been too many Samoans working at McKinsey at that time. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think there was any. Um, there may have been. There was definitely a, a, a Maori woman who I admired greatly, a woman yep. called Mel Smith. Right. Um, so we were the we were the McKinsey Maori and Pacific Support Network globally. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, look, I mean, McKinsey was great. Um, as I said, I mean, really the the reason why I was probably attracted to finance and, and Wall Street, I mean, the ethics that they showed on that movie were terrible. Right. But I, I was competitive, and I, I still am competitive. Uh, and I like the idea that I wasn't just going to go into work and just kind of do nine to five and do the same thing yep. every day. Yep. I was actually going to go out there and try and make something of myself. Right. Um, and I certainly, I guess, you know, the, the Bud Fox story, I could identify with my father. You know, the idea that you didn't necessarily have to have this amazing background you could just right. make yourself who you know you could make yourself a success through hard work and smarts so so that was what attracted me to that but but look McKinsey was great and it, it took a lot of those same attributes uh, that I that I loved about the idea of investment banking and then said actually take those business skills and use it to help companies get better rather than just yep. transact on and, and that just it was a much better fit with my values and that's what you know, look on the outside for someone who, um, who obviously I've done a little bit of consulting, but not at the level that you've done it. But you've taken, you know, the the Les Mills, the Trade Me's, the Orion Health, who you know who they are, they are also massive that people probably don't know about them as well, and you know, and taken them and, and helped grow them, and and now you're at Vend, who you know outside of maybe Trade Me's are our biggest startup in New Zealand, they're doing amazing things. Can you just talk about Vend, um, just for, I mean, probably just touch on what they do and, and how they're impacting, um, I, I suppose, POS and, and the, the world in retail? Yeah, yeah. So vendors, we're all about retail. So we are uh, trying to give retailers the tools that they need to be uh, to be successful. And you mentioned POS. So the I guess the label on the side of the tin says point of sale, and that's because that's what retailers understand. But we're right. actually a much broader platform. So okay. we have point of sale, inventory management, uh, customer relationship management. We have our own um, have our own e-commerce platform, uh, a big reporting module. So. Yeah, so for the retailers who we work with, we tend to be the you know the piece of software that they use to run their business. Um, so that's Venn. Okay. 
um, they, that's sort of what we do. Um, we have customers now, I think, in about 140 countries, wow. uh, but most of our but most of our business is in uh, New Zealand, Australia, the US, Canada, and the UK. Yeah. Um, so 90% of our revenues come from outside of New Zealand. Uh, yeah. So it's, look, the the I mean, the exciting thing for me about Vend is that we are part of this wave of cloud software which is taking over many different categories of technology around the world and transforming Absolutely. industries yep. and you know we are you know we are a market leader and we have we have the potential yep. to be one of these real global winners and you know to be able to do that in software from a new zealand base i think is a real privilege it's hugely exciting times you know um i'm an it and i'm a little bit of a geek and what I'm seeing is that the, the, the small to medium companies have now got access to the top of the line software and they don't have to pay those enterprise huge licenses or those perpetual licenses that, and then they're locked in for 10 years, you know, like, so, and they can get a Vend or an Oracle, they can get one of these things um, as they need it, pay for it as they want to go and it's not going to kill them, it's actually going to enhance their business. Um, for, for, yeah, it's, it, look, it's, 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 it's fantastic. I mean, to me that's, you know, we've seen technology get better and cheaper, yep. uh, and that's given and business models have changed, and that's given access to a lot of small and medium-sized businesses. Um, you know, the, to tools that they've never had before, and and we think that's great. You know, we love our we love our big customers, but we also love the idea that in retail, um, you know, those those small boutiques and local retailers are going to yep. be around yep. for a long time because of these kind of tools that that companies like ours can offer. And, and so, as CEO of Vend, um, what does your day-to-day sort of operations look like? How do you choose to play your role in CEO? And I know I can, it can vary across different companies and what you want to do, but what does Alex Fellow do to make a difference at Vend? Yeah, I, so it, it's a tough one. Like whenever you ask, what does a CEO do day-to-day? Some people have routines, but for most people, most most people in this role, it's really varied. Yep. For me. Uh, a lot of it is is connecting kind of two things. So first of all, just gathering the information I need to be um, to understand what's really going on in the business and where the most important um, issues are to 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 um, to resolve. And they could be really positive things that we that we need to build on, or you know some challenges that we need to fix. Um, and how do you and get then, how so do you get that information? Is it is that analytics you're getting provided? Is that reports from your your, your direct reports, or, or or you going out and talking to your staff and, and trying to get a bit of a, a vibe, so to speak, of what's going on? Yeah, look, it's all of those things, and and I think you have to kind of do all of those things to get a good sense. Okay. Uh, so, you know, analytics. Like one of the great things about being in tech is that you can definitely access a lot of numbers, and so yep. I've got my reports that I'm looking at. You know, sometimes I'm. You know, there's some of them that I'm looking at on a daily basis to understand what's going on. Yep. Um, certainly, uh, my direct reports. I've got a great team, and uh, and spend a bunch of time with them, and just you know, e- either talking or, or bouncing emails. Right. We use Slack to communicate. Awesome. Um, you know, that kind of, doing that kind of stuff. But but at the same time, you want to make sure that you are getting all the information, and you can't necessarily. Not everyone kind of understand. Is, is going to communicate in those ways. So absolutely, I just try and, you know, it's a good excuse to hang out and have coffee with people or just, you know, just have a random chat. And inevitably, you'll be asking someone about their weekend and, and you'll find out something about what's going on in the business as right. well. So, yeah, so it's, yeah, really, so it's kind of... Sorry, I was just going to say, it is important to connect personally with, with your staff? 
Yeah, I think so. And and I would I'd like to do a lot more of it. Yeah. Um, but uh, but what I know is that every time I, I do those things, I, I get a lot of value. And certainly, there's you know there's some in the some people in the exec team who who laugh that when I when I travel and go around to our offices, they suddenly start getting well. They kind of always get emails at various times of day and night, but <laughs> yep. they 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 ramp up even more when I'm traveling because. Yep. Uh, one, I'm hearing things that I don't necessarily hear every day, but two, I've got the headspace to think about them and really oh. kind of process and understand what's going on. Um, so yeah, that, that so that side of things is really important. And then of course, once you've kind of once you've worked out what you think might be going on, uh, then there's a whole process of trying to create of confirming it and trying to con- trying to create action. Uh, so in some cases, it's just you know I might shoot a slack to one of the team and just go, hey, what's going on here? Right and simply by asking the question uh, that you know sort of creates an impetus for someone to look at something and then they'll often just go ahead and run with it and I you know I just kind of hear later that the issue's solved so so those um, those sort of moments are fantastic but there are also times when you have to be much more thoughtful and targeted so uh, if we're talking about our priorities as a company for the quarter for example um, you know it's really important that I'm clear about the messaging that goes out to the organization because I know it has quite a lot of leverage right and you sort of mentioned that you um, sometimes you need a little bit of headspace to sort of to gather your thoughts or to, to work out what you need to do. Do you, do you have a process or when you when you you call it gathering headspace or to to, to de-stress? Yeah, I mean those two things for me are a little bit different. Um, so in terms of uh, in terms of getting headspace, uh, I think a lot of people feel guilty about taking a couple of hours in their day to just think. And, you know, they sort of feel like they're not doing anything. And I, I think that's a little bit silly, uh, particularly if you're in, you know, I guess you're, you're a so-called knowledge worker. Right. Um, to me, there's like I've got, you know, if, I, if there's a big issue which I think is important and requires my attention, you know, I've got no problem just blocking out a couple of hours in my calendar. Um, or I'll go for a walk or maybe I'll do it late at night after the kids are okay. asleep or something like that. So... Um, so I do, in terms of creating headspace, I just do it. Right. Uh, in terms of the managing stress thing, uh, I don't really have a process. I probably I think of it more as I've, I've got a toolkit or you know I'm, I guess a few clubs in the bag that I, I pull out and tr- might try a few at different times just to keep things keep things working. Um, so the first one actually is the is the most important one, which is that I invest time in my marriage. Nice. <laughs> Good to hear. <laughs> because because. But, there's, there's, there's no more important person when I'm stressed than my wife, right. and you know, you, you don't want to be just asking all the time and taking all the time. You want to be, and and of course, I, you know, there's a lot in it for me and just enjoying our time together. Yeah. But, but that's really important. Um, I, I learned really on in my career, uh, early on, just the need to ask for help, and sometimes it, it it's, it, it feels a little bit scary because you feel like yeah. you're admitting failure, uh, yeah. but. There's, um, but the failure only gets bigger and bigger if you if you sort of delay it for, you know, you get into that yeah. cycle of you haven't asked for help, and then you sort of feel oh it's been it's been a while now so um, I better come up with something good and I can't ask for help anymore because it's been ages and they're expecting lots from me, and you just got to do it like the best time to ask is now. But, but, um, I mean, it must be and, hard though because if you're a CEO or at the levels that you've been, I mean, how we haven't talked about it, but. 
you're a Rhodes Scholar, and um, <laughs> you know, these are those jokes about you know <laughs> rocket scientists and being Rhodes Scholars and things like that. But so it must be really hard to put your hand up and go, oh, actually, I, I need a help with with a solution here. Yeah, it is, and I, I guess it's, it gets harder the more senior you get um, because there's less people who are above you who I guess are naturally there to help you. But yes. I think. Um, it requires just having a little bit of humility and asking the person who you think is going to be most valuable. I guess that, you know, for me, one of the really, one of the things that's made it easy is I feel like I've always been surrounded by people smarter than me. Right. <laughs> so, which, is, which is what smart so, people do, right? You, you find the smartest people to support you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, I certainly feel like, like you talked about the <laughs> road scholarship, yeah. and I, I still can't believe that I, that I ended up in either of those places. Um, but, you know, very privileged to do so and it makes it heaps easier to ask for help yep. being surrounded by those kind of people. Um, but, you know, there's lots of other stuff I do as well. So um, definitely try and exercise and get in the outdoors as much right. as I can. Um, probably don't do as much as I should. Um, I read books. So I'm quite happy to, you know, like I, I get the train to and from work and sometimes on the way home if it's been a big day, I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll always have a trashy novel on the on the go nice. that just kind of, you know, de-stresses. What's a, what's a trashy um, novel? Is it like a Lee Child, a Jack Reacher or a, something oh, like that? Oh, yeah. I, 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 did have, I did have a bit of a Jack Reacher phase. For, I guess the, the staple that I keep going back to when he writes something is I've, I've always been a fan of Jeffrey Archer. Right. Um, so that's what I'm yep. going on right now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so just fun, adventurous stories. And, and, and do you audio book them or do you read the hardcover or Kindle? Oh, everything's on the Kindle. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a... Yeah, I, I'm, I'll probably buy a couple of books a week between business and, and pleasure and, and just rip into them. Yep. What, what yeah. business books are you reading at the moment? Um, let me have a look. I'll just have a look at my Kindle. I just finished one. I just finished um, Chaos Monkeys, which right. is not – I don't know if you'd consider that a business book. It's kind of about a, the story of a tech, guy in tech startup and Facebook in the, yep. in the valley. Um, I'm literally just opening up my Kindle to see what's next. I'm, I'm reasonably uh, think, familiar with the Chaos Monkey Theory and what Netflix and a couple of big, big guys have done. Yeah. Yeah, I've always, the hard thing about hard things is always pretty high on the list. Um, so that's written by Ben Horowitz. Um, so big VC, Andreessen Horowitz. Yep. And, and he, um, I think the cool thing about that book is it talks about the reality of leading businesses and some of the really difficult stuff that comes up. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, he went through a startup which, which you know, almost collapsed and dealing with those kind of issues. Yeah. And, you know, I think there's a lot of great leadership books, but all of them kind of assume that things are going okay. And sometimes, you know, literally, you, you know, you, you don't have time to, to go through the, yeah. the, you know, the perfect process. Um, so, yeah, got all of those. Um, what else have, is next? Do you have a, do you have a, fa- do you have a favorite? Or one that you'd recommend to anyone that wants to be a CEO or thinks they'd like to be one? Yeah, I, well, the first thing I'd say is I think you should read widely uh, if you're going to be a CEO. Um, certainly in the tech space, um, I, I think the hard thing about hard things is great. Uh, I think uh, there's a book called How Google Works, which is also great. Yep. Uh, I, um, I was always a fan of good to great just because I need right. to say the word great again. Jim Collins. Um, yep, Jim Collins, uh, fantastic book. Uh, yeah, so th- those are those are a few that I find really helpful and practical on a day to day basis. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I seriously like I I read a lot of stuff. I just think there's so much great information out there, and I don't really subscribe to the religion of any one book or any one author or speaker. I just 
try and absorb a lot of different things and then you know the the crazy black box of my brain sort of processes them and then turns it into my own yeah. personal way of writing you must be doing how many hours of a week or how how sorry how long are you reading for a week you must be getting through a few a few books and how do you find yeah. time? how do you find the time does your brain not switch off well, you, can, you just sort of make the time. And, okay. and as I said, I, I mean, I've often got two or three books on the go. So there'll, yep. there'll be one which is pretty heavy, which, you know, I need to be switched on and, and um, enough to read. And then I'll often have a, a lighter business book or a biography going. And then I'll have some right. kind of novel going as well, just depending on my mood. So, so yeah, all of those things. And then I, you know, I read a lot of blogs and Twitter and stuff. And yep. ah, there's, there's a lot of time in the day and I don't sleep much. <laughs> I probably should sleep much. <laughs> What's, uh, what blogs do you follow? Ah, oh, um, well, Harvard Business Review. Right. Um, so, so read that. Uh, and then a lot of stuff which is more specific to my industry. So, a lot of SaaS blogs. Uh, yep. So, um, there's a blog called Sasta. Uh, there's um, Andreessen Horowitz has a blog, yep. and they also uh, they do podcasts. Um, there's one called FourEntrepreneurs.com. So, yeah, there's just there's just so much stuff out there. Uh, that I, I reckon, you know, we'd often be mad to to not take advantage of it. Yeah, for but sure. At the same time, you there's sort of there's no substitute also for just having to think sometimes and solving things from first principles. Okay, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll get some details and I'll put it all in the show notes of um, the, those books and and some of those links to some of those websites. I mean, Jason Horowitz stuff of his podcasts are fantastic, and um, yeah, like you say, there is a lot of information out there, and sometimes it's just working out what's good and what's bad and been able to perhaps process things and, and make your decision for yourself whether you need to use it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, uh, w- one of my other things is I have no shame in just throwing a book away if I'm not finding it useful. Yeah, It's like you don't have to read everything. Move on. Yeah, I sometimes feel guilty. Like I I feel like I need to finish something, but I've, I've, I, I do audio books in, in the car on the way to work and home and sort of it's yeah. my way of cheating. But lately... You know, I've um, I've paid for a couple of books and I've got two or three chapters and I'm going, no, nah, this is not for me and um, I'm, getting, <laughs> I'm getting better at just going, don't worry about it, you don't have to. It's, it's like, you know, when you go out for dinner and you, you buy a huge feed and you, you feel guilty if you don't eat everything on the plate because, yeah, you spend money for it. <laughs> yeah, that attitude's how you get fat, mate. Yeah, well, it's... <laughs> uh, no, look, I mean, in all seriousness, though, because if you get a, a really difficult thing to read, then it will take you five times as long, and there's five other books that you could have read in the meantime. Don't feel guilty about it at all. You got to enjoy I mean, Amazon, it, I like okay. you, yeah. you know, getting a Kindle book. Most of them are less than ten bucks. Yeah. You know, that's one beer in Auckland, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, or, or maybe a coffee. Of, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So just, just, just move on to the next one. that's going to be more useful. Yeah. Hey, and, and and so you're living in Auckland now, and um, there's you know there's a few big startups, Venn's up there, and you've got Zero and Trade down here, but they're, they're sort of all over the place, but. Um, mm. On the whole, New Zealand seems to be like a, a great hub for startups and for creating a business, and it's proving that you know you can create a worldwide market leader here in New Zealand. Why do you think that is? Is, is that to do with the attitude of Kiwis, or we've just got good support networks, or just some and some really smart people? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's a really difficult question, right? And um, I guess I've got a, a few thoughts, but. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people who've got better evidence than me to um, to refute them. Yeah. But first of all, I think we've had these um, you know these two or three really foundational successes that have spawned a lot of other companies. Yeah. So you know, so particularly I think about TradeMe. Um, you see, it was zero now. Uh, I come across a lot of people who I used to work with at Orion Health. Uh, so there's just a few companies that have become 
the foundation of the ecosystem and then people just move on to other companies. They might start something themselves or they move on to another one and it cross-pollinates. So I think, right. you know, we've got a lot to thank the, you know, the leaders of those organizations, um, you know, Sam Morgans and, and right. Rod Juries and Ian McRae's for helping, helping make that happen. So I think that's a big part of it. The other thing that I think has happened more recently is also just with, with tech advances, being at the end of the world is no longer as much of a handicap as it used to be. Right. And, and in fact, in some ways, it's an advantage because our companies are born global. Uh, so, you know, you really have to think globally uh, to almost to start a business in New Zealand. There aren't, certainly in technology space, there aren't many businesses that you can get to a large size by having a pure domestic focus. I mean, Trade Me is one of the very few examples of that. Yeah. Uh, and so what that means is that when we go off and work with other people around the world, uh, you know, they find an organization that thinks very broadly, uh, that tends to work well with many other cultures. Uh, Kiwis are pretty inoffensive people generally. Um, yeah. We, <laughs> you know? yeah. And, and, you know, we find that, by the way, like a lot of, lot of companies, are, you know, a lot, of, a lot of Kiwis struggle operating in the U.S. And, and believe me, it's challenging. But what we find with American companies is that they've they've really loved dealing with us. Right. They just seem to like working with companies like us, and you know a lot of that's got to do with the product we've built and the technology. But I think it's also just the way we operate. Yeah, we I, we we seem to have an ability to work between lots of different cultures, um, and a, a part of that is is growing up in New Zealand and in the schools we go to. You know, lots of my friends are Maori, Samoan, Iraqi. You know. It's just such a broad horizon, and I think that's a it's a good advantage of of being in New Zealand is that we can sort of just inject ourselves on, into lots of different cultures and situations, and and generally survive and and, and go well. And um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just think that um, that we live and die on our own on our own sort of successes and on our own activities and on our own actions. So I don't think being a New Zealander or being based in New Zealand is a handicap any longer. Um, right. I don't know if it ever was. Uh, but I also think that you can't kind of look at yourself and go, oh, I've got these great Kiwi attributes, that's going to be enough. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. You know, I wish it was. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, building a global company, it, that's a that's a hard thing to do, uh, you know. I, I mean, I've only been in this role for for less than a year, and I've got a heck of a lot of respect for you know for Vaughan Rousel, who founded Venn and the whole team here, who got it, um, who you know created this global foundation. The same with those people I mentioned before. Yeah. It's bloody hard, and you have to be smart, you have to work hard, and you have to have a bit of luck along the way. Yeah, yeah. Sort of moving along a little bit in New Zealand. Um, there's a, in terms of getting kids out of school, and um, you know, I'm really passionate about the technology, but trying to attract more kids to go to university and study technology, but also how we can try and um, talk to the Māori and Pacific Island sort of younger students and show them that, hey, business and entrepreneurship is a pathway and a great option that you can take. Um, and I don't know what the answer mm. is to the question, but, I, but I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on perhaps how we could see more Māori and Samoan, Tongan, Fijian students um, either going to university and studying technology or taking an entrepreneurial route? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think, um, first of all, 
those communities have got a lot of differences and certainly you know certainly Maori and Pacific are very different and even within the Pacific communities there's lots of differences too you know the first thing is just the sad thing for us as Pacific Islanders is that we underperform on most measures of income and financial prosperity uh, as well as all of the social indicators like health education and housing right and solving those problems is in my mind still the biggest point of leverage to to getting more successful business people Um, because the the you know if I think about how much how important is business education well my education was really valuable but you can start a company without a business education yes. uh, but you can't start a company really without knowing how to uh, communicate or knowing how to you know do some level of maths um, you know all, all of those all of those kind of things and so so I think that's that still remains um, the, the primary route if I think about tech and and business and entrepreneurship more broadly. So first, a lot of it's just about awareness and, and right. I think providing models. Uh, so, you know, Vaughan now has got OMG Tech, uh, which, is, which is really showing technology now to a lot of young kids around New Zealand with a particular focus on, on those who perhaps wouldn't have as part of their normal life. Uh, and I think that's, that's really important. Uh, and, and, you know, honestly, that's a big part of what drives me to be successful in my own career as well is because I still think that, you know, the weirdest thing for most Polynesian kids and, and, and even the parents and communities is that there aren't necessarily successful Pacific business people who they can look to and go, oh, I want to be like that. Right. Or even further back from that, I understand what that is. Um, so even as we're getting more and more successful as a community, a lot of people are going to you know, become, a lot of Pacific Islanders become doctors and lawyers. Yep. Those are great. Those are great careers, uh, but um, but business is a great career as well. Um, so for me, it's it's you know right now a lot of it's about trying to become very very successful myself so that I can tell my story. Uh, maybe I should be telling my story a bit more often, but um, well, that's but, what. You know, yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I did this podcast, and you're like one of the first people I thought of, and um, I don't know. I think it's maybe. It, a cultural thing that we don't, Kiwis don't like to brag, you know, we've got that tall poppy system, so we don't want to go out and talk about ourselves and, you know, you're, you're leading multiple communities um, across technology business but also with your, your Samoan heritage and, um, you know, I really hope that lots of, and I'm sure they will, Samoans and um, you know, Kiwis and Māori students, they're all inspired to be like you and do what you've done. Um, I think you're doing a fantastic job, and um, it's awesome that you, you're taking on that responsibility as well, and you, you recognise it. So, congratulations to you, mate. That, that's awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Hey, mate. I'll, um, as you are a busy CEO, I won't uh, hold you up too much longer. Just thanks so much for coming on. I know your time is, is hugely precious, and um, I really hope people um, get a little bit out of this. Um, and um, I'll put anything and everything that we've talked about in the show notes so we can get some links to that and um, yeah just keep on keep on trucking mate and, and doing great things and um, I'd, I'd love to hear from you in the future and um, is there a place that people can follow you on social media um, or, or reach out and get in touch with you um, yeah a little I mean I'm on Twitter but not that much so yep. just at, at AJ Fuller on Twitter or, yep. or else um, you know flick me a note on LinkedIn um, okay. give me include a personal note otherwise I'll think it's just a random thing and I'll reject it um, <laughs> a recruit, a recruiter. But yeah, yeah. yeah always happy to talk and, and mate it's uh, it's cool that you're telling these stories as well I'm real privileged to be on so thank you awesome mate thank you very much and um, we'll, we'll be in touch cheers thanks JP Excellent.